Welcome to the Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast with Pastor Mark Holm, helping you to apply faith to your everyday life. Pastor Mark is the senior pastor at the Log Church in Cross Lake, Minnesota, as well as the executive director of Faith at Home Ministries. Today's episode is part of the Home Makeover series based on Pastor Mark's popular book, Faith Begins at Home. And now, here's your host for today, Brian Seward. Welcome again, folks, to uh, our discussion on Faith Begins at Home. We're basing this off of Mark Coleman's book by that title, Faith Begins at Home. Would encourage you to pick up a copy of that and follow along through the book. There's lots of additional ideas and so on that we don't cover in our dialogue today or in our um, last few weeks, but uh, you'll find them in the book and some, some great helps there. That's our desire is to help you in any way we can in your walk with the Lord and and at home and with your kids or whatever home looks like for you. So we started off a couple of weeks ago with this discussion, and we talked about the importance of a home makeover, that um, the home is to be the primary place where faith is lived out and nurtured. And during our season of life that we find ourselves in now, if I can call it a season where we're in this COVID, hopefully it, uh, it doesn't last forever. But one of the things we have learned is the importance of faith at home. If the church is not available to go to, if uh, some of the study groups that we would normally be part of aren't available, what are we going to do as far as our faith? And it seems the Lord is uh, directing us back to some very basic things that uh, he gave us uh, a long time ago. As a matter of fact, we have made reference to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Joshua and some of our previous discussions as we as we talked about the importance of the home being that primary place and the home makeover. Well, today, as we begin or continue this discussion with Mark Holman, uh, we are talking about the parent makeover. And if you are following on in the book, there's, there's four keys at the end of uh, this chapter about the parent makeover. And we'll kind of follow through those four keys in our discussion today. But the first key, Mark, it says mothers and fathers are the top two influences in the faith development of their children. So the first bit is about starting with the parents. But I wonder, Mark, if we would take a look at the biblical side of things first. We did talk a little bit about that last time. But in terms of why we should do this, what does the Bible have to say about the important role of the parents? Yeah, you know, um, nowhere do I see in Scripture where it says that parents, it's the responsibility of parents to outsource the, the faith formation of their children. Uh, nowhere does it say find some experts, some real good teachers of the law, and let them teach your kids and raise them to to know, love, and follow Christ. I just, that's just not there anywhere in scripture, this notion of kind of allowing others to do it or having others do it. The Bible is very clear. Um, The only examples that we see in scripture when it is talked about as far as children and passing on faith to them is that it's the responsibility of parents to be the ones who, um, who, do two things. They live in love with God themselves, set an example for their kids, and then they also are the ones that instill it into their kids. And I want to take you to that part in Deuteronomy that says that. Deuteronomy 6 verse 3, hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey. 
so that it may go well with you and that you may increase grace. This is so that things will go with you, go well with you, your children and your children's children. And, um, and so then he says, says it again, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them then on your children by talking about it with them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie the symbols on your hands, bind it on your foreheads, write it on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So what I see in that, that has always been um, kind of at the heartbeat of what Faith at Home is about is the first thing we have to say to parents is before we start talking about your kids and what you need to do with your kids, this passage doesn't start there. This passage starts with you. It starts with you and are you living in a loving relationship with God? Are you in a loving relationship with Jesus where you love him with all of your heart? That's the passion side of love. You have a passion for God. That's what heart means is do you, do you have, would others say that you are passionate about your love for Jesus where you love him with all of your soul that means, as a soul, that means a connection that you are really in step with, locked into, connected to Jesus. You're connected to God. You're in His Word. You're, and they, and you're, and people see that you're in love with, in love Him with your strength, which means no matter what happens, you have a faith that is strong, a commitment that is strong, and so that is so critically important and a. A lot of that, that's the starting point that I want to say to parents is, um, are you in love with God or are you just doing church? And there is such a big difference because if our kids just see it as doing church and then we live completely, and we're not really in love with God, we're just kind of doing the necessary thing of going to church for an hour and finding a good church. It's got some good programs and then they can teach my kids the faith. That's that's not a relationship. That's organized religion. That's, that's ritual. Uh, and when you don't have relationship attached to it, there's no love there. And the kids can see that. And so the kids then end up not having a love because then it says, out of this love that you have, but that's step number one, out of this love you have, then impress it on your children by you talking about God and his ways with them when you lie down, when you get up, when you walk along the road, it's then you're, it's about you then talking about it, but a mistake. I mean, I don't know if it's a mistake, but um, a learning, let's just say that as I've been in this faith at home journey for this whole time. So this was faith begins at home was the very first book I wrote it, George Barna. Oh, God bless him. Open doors. I'd never written anything in my life. And the noted researcher, George Barna, attended our church occasionally. And he came to me and said, Mark, I really think you need to write a book. And I'm like, dude, I am not an author. I am not a writer. You, you write it. And you just, if you want to interview me or whatever. And he's like, no, I really think you need to write it. And then, then he opened the doors. And I'm like, well, no one's going to read a book that I wrote. No one's going to publish it anyway. And then, then he's like, well, no, but there's a publisher that's right here in the same town. And, and they, Next thing you know, I was coaching their daughter in basketball, the owners of this publishing house, and they come up to me and said, yeah, George Barnett told us you're writing a book for us. And I'm like, what? I'm not writing a book for you guys. And he said, oh, yeah, if George Barnett said you're writing a book. You're writing a book for us. And so 
and that's what started this journey. So I wrote this book first, Faith Begins at Home, right? That this has, and it really is pulling a lot of things. And then I started doing some speaking on it, and we did conferences on this, as you know, Brian, and, and had a whole seminar that went with this book that we were doing literally, not just across the U.S., but all across the world. And I remember going over to New Zealand and then doing a, a parenting, doing this at like six different locations in New Zealand, came back, and then a year later, they invited me back for another tour in New Zealand. And they said, we're going to be in different cities this time, so just, just want you to do the same thing, the same parenting event on Faith Begins at Home, and sure. But then I'll never forget, we pulled up to this one church, and I'm like, I recognize this church. And they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot to tell you, this actually is a, you were here last year. And I'm like, but you said I was doing the same parenting event. And they're like, well, yeah, but this church wanted you back, and so we'd like you to do something different with them. And this was like two hours away, and I didn't have a second parenting seminar. I only had the one parenting seminar called based on this book. And um, faith begins at home. So then I went back and had a few hours to get ready. And God took me right back to this same passage and said, Mark, you've been focusing on the second half. Your faith begins at home book is a lot about how do you impress faith by talking about it. And we're going to get into that with faith talk and prayer and Bible reading and what are the things you need to do at home to pass on faith to our kids. But Mark, I now want you to focus on talking to parents about are they in love with God? Are they truly, do they, what does it mean to love God with your heart? What does it mean to love him with your soul? What does it mean to love him with your strength? And that ended up being a whole different parenting event. And I'm not kidding you. You could have heard a pin drop. It wasn't as practical, but in many ways it was more important. And so what I want to say to parents is before we get into the practical, let's talk first about your heart and about the love that you have for God because our kids are going to love who and what we love. And, and, and they see the difference of if it's just something you're doing or if it's something you're really in love with. In fact, that actually led to, I wrote a second book that just called Impress Faith on Your Kids based on that. Because I actually thought, you know what, we need to have a whole book before we get into the practical that's just about helping parents have a heart that is in love with God, that is so in love with him that it's leaving an impression on our, that our kids are impressed with the love that we have for God. To me, that is now step number one that I want to say to parents. And that wasn't, and it's, it's in this book too, but I needed to expand on it some more, which is what we did in, in that book. It, it, impressive parenting is actually what we called it. Impressive parenting is the, is the book. And so, so anyway, I don't long answer to a short kind well, of first it's, it's question. It's so important. Here, that's the that's the beginning point, really. And in in some respects, we could just end right now and say, if you take anything home from today's discussion, it's let let this love, let this thing be on your heart. That's where it needs to start. Um, yeah. You know that that passage from Deuteronomy chapter six is uh, is a probably the most famous passage of all sacred scripture. You know, even more famous than John 3.16, because in, in Jewish Orthodox homes, even to this day, they will recite that passage multiple times a day. Uh, Jesus, when, when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? He pointed to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which has become known based on the Hebrew text there, has become known as the Shema. And so it's this very critical, important passage of Scripture. And it's the starting point. And the starting point of the starting point is 
let these things be on your hearts. And, and Mark, we, we're talking particularly to parents today. We're going to be talking um, about church and church leadership down the road. But you were in one location meeting with church leaders. Uh, I, I don't know where it was, but I, I recall you talking about it, and the church leaders said, huh, this is the starting point for us as church leaders is we've got to look at our own homes. Do you recall that, Mark? Where was that? And Yeah, you know, it's. I will say that's been a cool thing with this whole journey, Brian, is it's not just in one spot. It seems like wherever we go, even it doesn't matter the country. I've walked into countries that I know nothing about that country. And I didn't even know how I got invited there, showed up. And I kept thinking like, well, in this country, I'm probably going to have to adapt or change the message, or it's not going to connect because their culture is different or because their reality is different, or, or they're going to say, well, in our context, it's more like this. And then I'd have to adapt and change. But tell you what, that's the thing with this passage and with this truth that is right here is that it is the same and it, it connects with people, whether they're first generation Christians and coming into it, they're just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or whether you're in a different, I've been in Africa, I've been in New Zealand, I've been in, I mean, you just take this message, Singapore and Brazil, and you go, and it's been translated, and it just, it's been crazy to watch, but that shouldn't surprise us, right? It is God's word. It is his truth. He didn't intend it just for one country of people. He intended it for his people all across this world. So that kind of what you're talking about has happened to us pretty much wherever we go with this message. But probably the one thing, Brian, that, you know, well, we'll I'll let you continue our journey that, but that kind of captures key number one for me, start with the heart of parents. And you're right. We could stop right there and say, well, let's, and that, and a lot of times that is what I say. There's nothing more important than that. Cause like I said, the boy, the kids, boy, they do end up loving who and what, we love, right? And so the best example we can set for them is is being in love with Christ ourselves. Yeah. Hey, how do you know, or how do you test that? How do I know if I'm really in love with God, like you just described? Ask your kids who oh. you're in love with. Ask them. I mean, here's the ultimate litmus test. I mean, this takes courage. This takes guts to be able to do it. But go to your kids and say, who would you say I'm in love with? And see if Christ makes the list. See if God makes the list. I mean, that's a scary question to ask. And I, I'll never forget when I heard that challenge from a guy that was one of my mentors and, I, and he was speaking it. And my daughter was probably barely maybe six, seven years old. So she was, maybe she was eight or so. So, but at that age where she was ruthlessly, and she gets in the back of my, I pick her up after school and I just was feeling confident, like, okay, I'm going to take that challenge. Cause he challenged us all, like ask your kids who you're in love with and see if God makes a list. So I pick her up after school. She gets in the back of the truck and I'm like, Hey kiddo, how are you? She's like, fine. How are you? How was your day? Good. And I got a question for you. She's like, okay, what's, what's that? I said, who would you say I'm in love with? And I'll never forget. She kind of looked at me like, what? And I, and I said, well, this isn't a trick question. Like, and we've got a short ride home. So chop, chop, let's get to this. I just want to know who would you say I'm in love with? And then I started to think this maybe isn't a good idea because <laughs> my kid at that age is, was very honest and didn't know how to be any different. And so I started to get a little worried and then I'll never forget her answer. 
which was, well, dad, you're, you're in love with God, mommy, and me. God, mommy, and me. And I just, I mean, don't get me wrong, a big part, right? You kind of go, but you know, that is, I think, starting point number one. I mean, if you really want to know, ask your kids, who are you living, different question, are you living in such a way that your kids who know you best would say you're in love with Christ? Would, would they say that? And that is the ultimate litmus test for this. Wow. Well, we need to keep moving on this. Uh, We could stop here. We're not going to. Uh, Mm -hmm. If God's formula all the way back from Deuteronomy to Deuteronomy is that parents are to be the primary influence. uh, What about the parent who says, well, yeah, but I'm I'm not that important. Um, Talk to us about this significant religious influence survey that you have quoted a number of times. What's that? Well, I kind of felt, I, yeah, I kind of felt the same way too when I started out in ministry. I didn't think parents were that important either. I mean, I was a youth guy. I came out of Bible camp ministry. At Bible camp, what do you do, right? You create a great environment for the kids to come to at camp. Parents don't really barely get out of the car. They drop the kids off and then they leave. And we give the kids a great week of camp with all sorts of great activities and stuff. And then we watch kids help them, you know, come on, help them to kind of fire up their faith for Christ. And you see all these kids have great experiences at camp and they walk out of there with a great, you know, a deeper love for God. And we did our job. And then, uh, and we have no connection with the parents. Parents show up at the beginning and the the parents pick them up. But that's as far as at camp, we had no relationship with the parents. Everything was with the kids. So then when I go into the church, God takes me out of camping ministry. My approach was the same way. Like, give me your kids on Wednesday night, and I'll lead them in games and worship and Bible study, and I'll take them on retreats and lock-ins, and parents don't even bother getting out of the car. I'm cooler than you anyhow. I know how to play guitar. I know how to lead them in all this stuff, and of course, parents, they're like, you want my kids? Like, here you go. They're getting free babysitting, so they're happy, and um, we were growing and looked like we were being successful in God's eyes until we were asked to be a part of this survey that a guy by the name of Mert Strumman wanted to know why is it that some kids have a faith that lasts and some kids don't? What leads kids to have faith in Christ? So they sent this survey out and we got it too. And so I remember there's some guy out there that wants to know why the kids in my youth group have the faith that they do. Well, I was strategic as to when I gave out that little survey because it was dangerous. So I thought I'm going to wait till I spent a whole weekend with the kids, leading them in games, music at a weekend retreat and had done all this stuff with them. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, here's a little survey I want you to fill out that will indicate why you have the faith that you do, which is pretty much going to show that I'm the reason and, uh, and gave it to them and they take this survey and I didn't see the results and they, we sent it in and it was uh, many months later because this was a national survey and I didn't realize how long those took. I'd forgotten about it on my way to a youth committee meeting when I go to my mail slot in the office and there was a envelope there and it said survey results inside significant religious influences survey. And I remember thinking, oh, uh-huh. that was survey that's going to show why kids have faith, which I was certain was me, the youth director, because I've been putting that all on. Oh, I'm not even going to open this before I get to youth committee meeting, because this thing is going to set the tone for why I should get paid more than a senior pastor, or at least deserve a raise. And I was so confident, okay, let's go beyond it, a little cocky, that it was going to be show me that when we get to youth committee, I hadn't opened the envelope, hadn't seen the results. So the chair of the youth committee opens it in front of everybody sitting there. And the number one influence that leads kids to have a faith in Christ is mom. And I remember going, what? Mom? 
But then I thought, you really can't bash mom, right? Like mom's always number one. You know, I always see the athletes. It's hi, mom. It's always about mom. So I'm like, yay for mom. Good for her. That makes sense. Yay, yay. But now let's dismiss it. Let's move on to number two, which will be youth director. Well, it wasn't youth director. Number two was dad. And I was like, what? How is dad possibly more influential? He doesn't play guitar. He doesn't lead him on games or retreats. And I mean, that was very surprised. A lot of these dads didn't even come to church. And I was like, how could dad be more influential than me? Number three was pastor in this one. It did not say youth pastor. So I had a really hard time with that because I'm thinking that boring, irrelevant, disconnected senior pastor guy, which now I've become one of those. And so it's hard for me to say you know, that, but that does remind us that pastors have influence. But then number four was grandparent. And I was like, whoa, grandparent. And then started showing up some of the church programs like you know, Sunday school, youth group, things of those started to show up after that, but there was still no youth director. I mean, it wasn't until way down the list that youth director finally showed up. And I remember, I mean, talk about being humbled. And But more than that, this is when God changed me. This was one of my Saul to Paul moments when God really changed me. Because when I got back to my office and really let that soak in. If I want kids to have a lasting faith in Christ, which I do, it's why we're in this, right? Because there's nothing more important in faith because that is what is going to lead them through death to eternal life. There's nothing more important than a kid has in faith. So if I want kids, the Dexter, to have faith, mom and dad and what they do at home is two to three times more influential than anything we do at church, Whoa. than any church program, than any youth group. And I don't care how good or big the youth program is. And if it's, you know, just find a better one. No, mom and dad are two to three times more influential than any, and grandparents are more influential than any church program. So if that's the case, I had to ask myself a question then. How much time and energy and resources am I devoting as a youth director exactly. into equipping mom and dad? If they're two to three times more, and I want kids to have faith, and that's when God put parents on my radar. And I realized they're the primary influencers, so I'm called to be someone who helps influence the influencers. How can I help equip the influencers, empower them? And so that's when God changed me. And that is a huge part of what Faith at Home is all about. And the numbers that you talked about, well, you, you didn't give specifics, but two to three times more uh, influential than any other church program. Uh, they can be found in the book. If, uh, if you're a numbers kind of person, uh, be sure and check that out. Uh, there's a big chart and lots of... Uh, and I will say, Brian, that, that was an older study. Now, there have been so many more done since then. It's kind of funny when you have a book that's this old now, it's been around as long as it has. That, that stat has been confirmed by many other surveys that have been done since. I've, in fact, I've yet to see one that's asking that question, what leads kids or what leads teens to have faith? I've yet to see one that doesn't show mom and dad is number one and number two. I've yet to ever see one that, that does it. Always has parents as first. So just know that that's kind of been confirmed by many other studies that have been done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, second point that you raise, Mark, um, key number two, your child's faith will likely be a reflection of your faith. And you say, if you want your children to have faith that lasts, they need to see that your faith relationship with Christ is a lasting one. Ouch. Is that yeah, true? Right? 
<laughs> uh, and I'm not the only one saying this, my friend. Um, this is a very hard truth that uh, we have to embrace and realize Dr. Richard Ross, one of our, we love Richard and he's written so many great books. He works with youth pastors. I mean, just a, a guy we greatly respect. Let me read to you what he, what he writes. He said, most children and teenagers reared by Christ-adoring parents become Christ-adoring young adults. Most children and teenagers reared by parents without Christ become young adults without Christ. Many children and teenagers reared in spiritually shallow homes become spiritually shallow young adults. Parents will lead children spiritually one direction or another. The faith of the children almost always will mirror that of parents. And parents must decide if that is good news or bad news for their families. So yeah, that is a truth that we all have to embrace is uh, they are going to mirror uh, our faith is, is, and that's why point one was so important. Yeah. And you know, in my years of pastoring, just watching different families, those families that were involved and um, were passionate and authentic with their faith, those tended to be the ones whose, uh, whose kids were the ones that were most vibrant and active in their faith in, in the ministries that were uh, part of at church. The other thing that I did notice, though, is um, kids who came from a home where there was no faith, there were some of those that they came to faith in Christ, but they always had another spiritual parent someone else who played a huge role in their life that uh, was an example to them. So, you know, even if uh, you, you don't have um, a home where there's, you know, that sort of spiritual oneness, or maybe one of the, one of the parents is not a believer, don't underestimate the value and importance of having spiritual parents in your kid's life. Um, and that, that can be sometimes the, the youth pastor or someone like that or a youth worker becomes that spiritual parent. But that model of spiritual parenting seems to be from the various earliest part of the Bible that uh, people need that sort of influence in their lives. And he built it in naturally by putting people in families with the mom and the dad and the design, uh, best design there is for, for them to be that. Oh, yeah. Key number three, you say, Mark, God provides you with everything you need to have a strong and growing faith. The Bible, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, church, and fellow believers. Uh, oh, I mean, there. when you think, every time I, I we go through this again, right, you think you can come at it from so many different angles. I, right now, from where I'm sitting right now, one of the things I'm just thankful that God gives, he does give us what we need. And one of the things he gives us is what's called grace. Isn't it great that we don't have to be perfect as parents? I mean, he 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 gives us grace. He gives us more, he gives us do overs. We can look back and say, I mean, that's always what scares me with this is when parents start listening to this, they think, oh man, I blew it. Oh man, I should have done this. Oh, it's too late now. And oh man, and oh boy, that's the last thing we ever want is for people to start. Yeah, we all can look back. I mean, I'm I mean, I know you're the perfect parent, Brian, but I know I can certainly look back and say, man. I did some things wrong and I, but it was by God's grace, right. That, that we, in spite of that, in spite of those things that, uh, and so, but, but, and that's why God gives us community. He gives us his church um, where we can learn from one another and listen to one another and wrestle through. And, and when your kids, if you have a prodigal, which you can do everything right and still have a prodigal, 
and have them walk away from the faith. And, but then we, we realize the story of the prodigal son, the dad didn't do anything wrong. But then what are we called to do? We're called to wait and pray for them as they are away. When they stray, we stay. We stay committed to our Lord. We stay going to church. We keep growing in our relationship with Jesus. We don't walk away. We don't, and then we keep praying and we, we stay, we remain. And then we wait for God to bring them back. And then when they do, we don't judge them. We don't guilt them. We welcome them welcome them back, loving them unconditionally, forgiving them as we've been forgiving, showering them with the same grace we've been showered with. So I tell you what, God has given us what we need. So it doesn't matter if you never, and most parents did not experience faith at home in their own household growing up. So this is all new for them. And that's, and when something's new, we're all going to do it wrong. We're going to make mistakes. We're trying it. But that's the beauty of it. See failure as fertilizer for future success. I think one basketball coach said that. You know, just try things and, and talk about the awkwardness. It's okay for it to feel awkward, but it's so much better that we're doing it at home, even if it's awkward and uncomfortable, than, than if we're not doing it at all and it's only happening at church. And this pandemic has kind of forced us to do some things now at home that we weren't doing before. And that's one of the things we have to address. It's going to be awkward. And that's okay, but it's still better that's happening at home. And that faith talk's happening at home that's so much more influential than it just only happening at church and without the parents being involved. Um, Mark, we have so much information now, um, and yet parents seem to be looking for that magic bullet, that book that's going to make it all work and so on. How do we cut through to what are you know the basics? If God has given us everything we need, you know, what did they do before they had the internet? And, you know, how do you parent in the midst of this time when it's almost like information overload? <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's not a bad thing either. I'd rather have too many. To it's not that we lack the tools or resources to pray with our kids. It's not like we lack tools or resources to, to read the Bible with our kids. I mean, my goodness, we have Bibles in so many different versions. For We have Bibles for girls, Bibles for boys. We have, we have Bibles in cartoon version. We have, I mean, all these now ways that you can watch the Bible stories online. And I mean, you just name it, the creativity, that the work that's been, we are not lacking for resources to give us the ability to have faith talk with our kids, to pray with our kids, to be in the word with our kids. We're not, it's just a matter of finding what works for them and being on a journey with them and, and like, okay, and what works with one kid probably isn't going to work with the other. And just saying, okay, I've got one kid that's more into drawing and art. And so I'll find a Bible that's an illustrative Bible where they get to color and draw in pictures. And I've got a, my, but my son is more into, you know, like a adventure and stuff. So we'll get him the adventure Bible that's more in comic book form. And that's going to work with him. And, and we find what works for each one. That's what the role of parents. We know our kids. We know what they like. We know what they don't like. And, and then when we just look for something that will be what's right for them so that we can have, so that we can do these things. Because again, Deuteronomy 6 just said simply talk about the ways of God when you sit at home when you walk along the road or in today's context, when you're in the car. So what you listen to in the car, make it stuff that gets you talking about Jesus. When you lie down and when you get up, that's bedtime and that's morning time. That's, that's pretty much any time. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is a good starting point for us. Deuteronomy 6 gives us that. But we live in a great day. We are blessed to have so many great tools and resources to help us. But we just have to, we just have to do it. 
I don't know how to say it any simpler than that. It's on us to do it with our kids. Yeah. And I think sometimes uh, parents can be guilty of um, analysis paralysis. You, you, you're just <laughs> continually analyzing what's the best resource. Yeah, just start doing it. Uh, right. Pick up the Bible. And, and I have to think that God knew what he was doing when he gave us the kids and, and he didn't say, well, I'm going to give it to, uh, you know, I'm going to give this child to Brian and he's obviously not able to do it. So, it's, you know, but <laughs> best choice. I, you know what? He knew what he's doing. And uh, I think parents that are listening need to just take encouragement that God's plan has been to put, as, as one of the Psalms says, he put lonely in families. He, he, he designed the family, the home to be that primary place, but it's also the best place for kids to learn about faith because you also get to see the mistakes. I mean, you talked, Mark, about the mistakes that you made when, when you're parenting. I'm still making mistakes, and my kids have to see God's display of grace in my life um, in the very present as well as as they're coming through. So don't be afraid um, of the mistakes, but it's just a matter of, uh, you know, confessing to the Lord and coming to your kids when you need to and being vulnerable and recognizing that we have a God who forgives and, um, and, and is really truly on our side as parents and wants our kids to have a vibrant walk with him. Well, we got one more. Christ offers you, key number four, offers you, Christ offers you the ride of your life. What do you mean by that, Mark? Well, nowhere does the Bible say it's going to be easy, right? And it's, and it's, this is so that it, but this is so that it may go well with you. And that's a much different word than it's saying it will go easy with you. That is, they're not the same words. That's not what Deuteronomy 6 is about. But what God wants to do is put you, and not just so that it goes well with you now, but then he wants to increase you to, so that you're kind of on a trajectory of increasing in wellness as a parent, increasing in wellness as a couple, increasing in wellness as a family, that this is about not being perfect, but being perfected, getting better, getting more comfortable, getting increasing in this. And so that's a fun ride because you know where it's headed. Start with the end in mind, right, is the, is the Stephen mm-hmm. Covey principle. God's end in mind is that you, he wants things not only go well for you today, but he wants to put you on a journey of increasing in wellness as you go through life. And a lot of times that means you're going to hit hard times, but God is going to use those to increase you in wellness if you remain in him, if you continue to be in his word and his ways. And that is probably the, the best example that, I mean, we see as pastors a lot is we literally get to watch families that embrace faith at home increase in wellness. I've got a dad that uh, he just spoke in front of our church on Father's Day. He came up with his son, and he talked about how he had never done faith at home with his dad. I mean, it was a foreign concept to him. But somehow God got a hold of his heart, and he just said, you know what? I am going to do it different with my kids. And he just got done doing a retreat. One of his sons kind of became a sixth grader or seventh, kind of just preteen, walking in those teen years. And a resource that's out there that I didn't know anything about that he found was to take his kid away for a weekend and to talk about what's coming ahead for him as a teenager, decisions he's going to have to make regarding um, sex, drugs, all these types of things. 
and they came, they had a powerful weekend together going through this resource. And then they signed an agreement together, the son and the dad, of how the dad is going to be there for his son when he has to make tough decisions, how the son is going to turn to his dad when they happen to be, how there's going to be open communication. I mean, this was such a beautiful thing that when I got done hearing about it, and they asked me to come to kind of this celebration dinner that they had. And, and when I heard all this, I said, you've got to share this with the church. And this is a guy that has never thought about standing in front of the church before. And the next thing you know, he's standing in front of the church. And I had so many dads afterwards talking to him like, dude, give me that resource or how did that work? And how did you ever get to this? And, and he has increased in wellness. Mm-hmm. And he began something back almost eight years ago of just for the first time praying with his kids. He'd never done that before, doing mealtime prayers with them and bedtime. He said it was awkward and uncomfortable. And here he is six, seven years later going on a weekend retreat with his kids and talking to them about, uh, you know, sex and drugs. And I mean, he, he's like, ah, this is not me, but this is how God has changed me. And imagine for that kid, for, the, for those kids, that's what's going to be their normal. So tell me they won't be doing that with their kids down the line. They're experiencing something brand new. So that is probably the best image or picture I can give you of what this passage is talking about, of not so just well with you now, but that you can increase in wellness as things move forward. And that is the ride of your life. That's, that's as good as it gets right there. Awesome. Hey, at the, at the end of each of these chapters, as we've mentioned before, are a number of um, activities for parents and also some discussion questions. Um, I'll, I'll give you a second, Mark. I don't know if you've got your book handy there, but you've got the first activity at the end of this chapter. You've got four activities. Let me read them to you. But the first activity, I'd like you to just lead us through that prayer for some of the parents that might be listening in that uh, maybe we've touched a bit of a nerve about the important role of a parent. And um, um, But the first activity is inviting Jesus into your life. So that's the prayer, Mark, I'd like you to lead us through. But let me just list while you're grabbing that. Let me list, uh, and for those that who maybe have a book handy, it's on page 57, I think. Um, but uh, second activity is a personal assessment where you take some time to assess where you are in your personal faith. And um, third activity is the way I see Christ in you. A, a great opportunity to sit down with your family and and just uh, discuss this. This is how I see Christ in your life or in each person's life. And then the final activity that you give as a suggestion, this is showing, um, uh, boy, it's been a a while now since the passion of the Christ was released. And, uh, um, but it's still a great movie and and to sit uh, through that and and to talk about that with your families. But Mark, for those that maybe are listening today, uh, parents or pastors who say, you know what I need to get, this needs to be in my heart. Um, you give this prayer under family activities number one. Would you lead us through that? Uh, and a quick backstory on this is that a lot of us have seen that painting where Jesus is standing at a door with vines kind of wrapped around it, and he's standing there. There's a little kind of window in that door, and he's standing there knocking. And then uh, the painter who did that, when he revealed that painting right away, the people loved it. But then they said, oh, you, it's not, you forgot something. There's no door handle there on that door. So you're gonna have to finish that. He goes, no, that was intentional. And he said, that's because the door handle's on the other side. And that Christ is not going to shove his way and force his way into your life. You have to choose this day. 
are you going to open the door and not only let Christ into your heart, but are you going to let him into your home? Let him reside with you. That's now a relationship. You're not just doing church where he's at church. You're now inviting him into your home. That's where life makes up its mind, friends. That's, this is a whole nother layer that a lot of times, and I, there's times where I even have to apologize to you on behalf of the church. I'm sorry if we never helped you bring Christ not only into your heart, but helped you bring Christ into your home. That's on us. We should have been talking about this a lot more. So you, if you never experience this in your home and so forth, chances are it's because the church may have failed you or failed your family and your parents. So we're sorry for that, but this is where it needs to go. It needs to go beyond um, him just being at church. So let's read this together. Dear Jesus, I recognize that you are God and that you have been standing at the door of my heart. You've been waiting patiently for me to open up my life to you. I'm sorry, but I've left you standing out there for so long. I've been living according to the ways of the world. But now I want to live my life your way. I open the door of my life to you. Jesus, come into my life as my Savior. And you have promised that you will guide us and show us the best way to live for you when we invite you to be at the center of our lives. So I pray that you will guide my life and my family life as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if that prayer has been meaningful to you today, or if you would like to talk further, I would invite you just to reach out to us. Mark at faithathome.com. Mark would love to hear from you. Well, there's been a great discussion. We're going to get into some more next week when, uh, or next time around as we talk about uh, the child makeover. So please join us. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast with Pastor Mark Holman. For more information about this podcast, The Log Church, or Faith at Home Ministries, go to our webpage. Here we go.fm. If you were blessed by today's episode and would like to financially support this podcast, please click on the support button at here we go.fm.